your family's contribution to the safety and the well-being of our nation. Thank you. You guys can be seated. It is an, it is an honor to be sitting here with this gentleman beside me. Um, Alan, if you, know, if, if you have someone who is um, your mentor, one of our values here at Sherwood Oaks is mentoring across generations. And uh, I get to mentor this young man right here. Um, and it's been an honor for you, hasn't it? It's, it's right up there with uh, 10 or 11 nights sharing a room with you. Oh, yeah. Alan and I were roommates in Israel. We learned a lot about each other, didn't we? You know, uh, there was a mad treaty between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, yeah. mutually assured destruction. Yeah. We have stuff on each other. That if he tells, I'm going out with everything. So no, we're good. Alan is. You are one of the people that I really, I love really? to listen to you. And I, you are my mentor. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, you are. I'll, I'll be more intentional. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, uh, I'm excited about being here today. You, he's been after me to come and. And, uh, you, were, you were supposed to be here a couple of weeks back, and then you, you got back from Israel. You had to rush out because you had COVID. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was lovely to have you then, and yeah. lovely to have you back. Yeah, uh, so we get in at 4 o'clock. I get in bed at 4 o'clock Sunday morning. But it was Palm Sunday, and my little granddaughters, who are not here today, were going to do the palms. And I thought, well, i gotta, I got to go see that. So we get over here, and... Uh, Get a little text message. Yeah, I saw the palms, and then I get a message. Brad Pontius calls me. And, and says, says uh, we, we just, just tested positive. You should probably test for COVID. I told Kedra, I said, uh, let's get out of here real quick. And so that was Andy Fish was preaching. It wasn't yeah. anything about Andy because yeah. I would have loved to heard the rest of it. I went home and tested positive. So. Yeah. I did, I did not, not go home and test. test. So maybe I had it, maybe I didn't. I don't know. That's too much to do. So this is a cool Sunday, Andy. For, sorry. This is a cool Sunday, Alan, for you to be here, my mentor, uh, because... Normally, um, I'm looking at, we've got some 9.30 people and we've got some 11 o'clock people. And those two groups are really much more different than you would think they would be here at a small church in southern Indiana. There's a different atmosphere. There's a different little DNA of the group. Um, so this is going to be interesting to see what the combined DNA, the combined group dynamic is right here. It looks peaceful. So, they, so, so far, far they, so, so far, far I've noticed the 930 people over here and the 11s over here. So, no, that's not it. I think the 930, we have spirit. Yes, we do. We have the spirit. How about you? How about you? Yeah, yeah, we can try that. We can try that. I think we should. Hey, let's get into this. Let's talk about group dynamics. So, yeah, so, yeah, we were talking about this the other day, and uh, you brought up some, some interesting stuff. Yeah, I love group dynamics, and then you were talking about the different groups here and and also your former life up at East and just what you've noticed about group dynamics. Yeah, so you have a, a 11 o'clock up at East. It's completely different from the 8 o'clock. 8 o'clockers love their hymns, and they don't mind losing sleep to sing the hymns. The 9.30 people like their hymns, but they're not willing to lose sleep to show up early to sing the hymns. And the 11 o'clock crowd, they just they don't want to wake up. They, they'll get there when they get there. They're all three different, and I love all three. I love the eight. I love the hymns. I just love it all. But there's a, group, there's a group in the Bible that, to me, I like to enter into the story and think about what it, what, what would it be like to be there and to see that. And I think that's what we're called to do, to enter the story of God. And There's a group of 120 found in Acts 1. About, about what we've got this morning. Yeah, maybe a little more, but uh, preacher count. I think we got 240. Uh, but 
But, but this, this group is so fascinating to me because they are being assigned probably the, the most difficult task in all of human history. They are being told to literally change the world, to, to turn the world upside down. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I do, and, and that's a daunting I do, I do, and that's a daunting task. I'm not used to holding a microphone. It is a daunting task. I can't, I mean, I don't know what these guys would do. We're, 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 we're sort of overwhelmed trying to change Bedford. I can't imagine trying to change the world. So this, this story is in Act Chapter 1, and it's an interesting setting. So what, what has happened in Acts Chapter 1? Set the stage for us. Okay, so... Luke is writing his second work. He's written the Gospel of Luke, and he's writing to a guy named Theophilus, and he says, this is my second account. And he's talking about the time after the resurrection of Jesus until the time that he ascends to heaven. And it says that he appeared, Jesus appeared to the disciples over a period of 40 days. This just... just boggles my mind trying to imagine what happened. It, it, we know that Jesus kind of went in and out of their lives, and it says he talked with them, he ate with them, he sat down and had meals with them, he taught them, and then it seems like he would disappear. So over a period of 40 days, he, he prepares them for his departure. It's fascinating to think about. So I would like to read... Acts chapter 1, verses 4, and then we'll drop down to 8 and continue for a little bit. We have the scriptures up there for this. Do we? Okay. Well, I'm just going to read off my, my notes here. So just imagine this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Then verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then verse 9 goes on to describe the ascension. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them hid him, him from, from their sight. sight. They, they were, were looking, looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who, was, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, Andrew, James, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. 120, again, all look around. 
here's who was gathered in that room. This is the, the space. Talk to me a little bit about these people because we, we were mentioned, a few names are mentioned, but then there are others. Yeah, it's just kind of, again, trying to imagine being in an upper room with this, this group, 120. And, and think about this. Jesus does his work for three plus years, and at the end of it, you would expect him to have a mega church. You would expect all these people. There's 120 people, 120 following Jesus at, at this point. But it's these 120 that are being told to take his message to the whole world. And, and think about who's in the group. Think about Peter. When you, when you hear Peter, what do you think about? Well, you know, I, one, I always think about him denying Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and him saying, I'll never deny you, I'll never deny you. So he's, he's such, such an impetuous man, and he's so bold, and he's out there, and he, and he has such high moments of greatness, and then such low moments of epic failure. And, I, you know, even Jesus calls him Satan at one point because he just says something he shouldn't. But you're right, I mean, he, he denies even knowing Jesus. But now, here he is. He's been restored. We have that beautiful count in John chapter 21 where Jesus reaches out to him and, and restores him. And so Peter is here. I think he's ready to go, but I'm thinking he's a, pro a lot more cautious and humble. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, is here. I try to imagine, how old is Mary at this point? Um, we picture her... Young, a teenager probably, yeah. and Jesus died at 33 is what, what the scripture seems to indicate. So 33 plus 17 puts her at 50 years old. So imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, at 50 years old, and, and imagine what she's been through. She's raised Jesus. She's uh, watched him begin his ministry. She's watched the children, her other children, turn against him. Thinking Jesus is crazy. She's watched him die for something he didn't do. She's watched him rise from the dead. And, and just imagine all that. And then there's the brothers of Jesus who did think he was crazy. And now they're there ready to go. Something must have happened. I think it's probably the resurrection. Yeah. And so there's other people in the room too. I wonder if Nicodemus was there. You know, he came to Jesus at night and... We don't, we don't know, know what happened, happened after that, except in John 19, it says Nicodemus was there to help bury Jesus. Then I think about the soldier who watched Jesus die. What did he say? Surely this is the Son of God. Okay. I think he's probably there. What about the woman caught in the very act of adultery? Is she part of the 120? I just, my mind and imagination goes wild about who was there. The people who ran away, were, did they come back? Some of them must have. And so this 120... At, At least, least some, some of them gather on the Mount of Olives. Have, have you ever been to the Mount of Olives? I'm glad you asked, Al. Is this, is this a plug for our Israel trip in two years? I think we, we have a picture. picture. So, so this was our, our little group. Uh, at the Mount of Olives right there. We're all looking. So we're standing on top of the Mount of Olives looking over to the Temple Mount area. Um, uh, yeah, I said something about, oh, I'm glad Jesus didn't give that group the responsibility of changing the world. And he said... But, but he, he did. did. They, they, they too have the responsibility to go and change the world. 
and that's true. true. And, and so, so we're, we're standing there on the Mount of Olives, Olives and, and, and it's, it's, it's a Sabbath day's walk over to the temple. Of course, the temple's not there now, but it's a short walk, and I didn't realize how close it was until we stood there. And and Jesus, as he stands there, saying basically to wait until you're clothed with power, I just imagine he starts floating. Is, is that, that what you imagine? You know, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've got, got these memories from childhood. You were talking about your, your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother. I have this vivid memory of my grandmother, Gladys Burris, teaching me in Sunday school when I was just a little kid. And she had a flannel graph, and we were talking about the ascension. And, and uh, so she had all these uh, guys and girls standing there with rocks. And then she had a little string that went up from behind the flannel graph through a little hole and tied to the back a little Jesus. And so when it was time to talk about the ascension, I think it was smoother than that. But I, but I remember that really well. And so I just imagine Jesus slowly drifting up into the clouds. I think it's maybe cumulus clouds, but I think, I think he's really talking about something else when he talks about the cloud. I think he's talking about the Shekinah of God, the, the cloud of glory that you, you hear about at the tabernacle and then in transfiguration. It's, it's just it's the symbolism of Jesus being accepted into the complete glory of God to sit down at the right hand of God. And so he's, he's disappearing and they're standing there as we all would with eyes wide, mouths wide open, just what in the world. And suddenly... What happens? Well, see, now, this is where I, I sort of picture that Shekinah glory sort of enveloping that whole place because out of the mist, they realize that there's two other people with them. Standing there, dressed in white. So we think they're angels. I'm, I'm, I think they're angels. I see no reason they, they're not. And it's kind of, I think they said this with a smile on their face. Why are you guys standing there looking into the clouds? The same Jesus who is taken from you will come back in the same way. And, and I, I think, think they're just saying, saying okay, okay, carry on. You've, you've got, got work to do. To do. And, and, and then they, they make their way back to the upper room where they join constantly in prayer. prayer. And we, we talked about, well, what, so, so what? What, what difference, difference does that make for Sherwood Oaks and Bedford, Bloomington, or wherever? What, is it, what difference does it make? It? So we talked about this quite a bit. And you came up with three words that I thought were really good. Well, as my mentor, I'm going to give you some credit for those three words. Um, the three words were wait and work and worship. Three W's there. Same with me. Wait, work, worship. Look at that. I love the class dynamic. Alliteration. Yeah, so the waiting to me is, is really, it's the inheritance we, we got, the teaching that Jesus gave the disciples there. It's also the 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 teaching that we get as well, we don't get a we don't get ahead of God. So Sean Green has this saying. He says, and, and I I quote Sean a lot, but I don't think I've ever shared this one. But he says, if this is your church, you better hurry up and get busy. But if this is Jesus's church, then you need to slow down and start to listen. Because the temptation that I have, and maybe you do as well, is that I look around and I see all the other stuff that people are doing or that needs to be done, and my temptation is to just start doing something, go fix that, go make something happen. And Jesus told his disciples, you do have a mission, but the first thing you're going to do is wait. 
And so there's tension there. We're told to do something, but then told to wait. Yeah. And so that basically sums up our life. And scripture is just full of passages. If you Google wait in the Bible, just be. One of my favorites. Wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah 40, and, I and I love that. Yeah. You know that that waiting is purposeful. Right. So there's and be still and know yeah. is kind of yeah. along those lines. So waiting is one of the words that's really important. Um, what else would you want to say about waiting? Well, so I'm glad you asked, Alan. Um, <laughs> waiting gives us. One, it's active waiting, like active listening. We're not just sitting around drinking coffee, twiddling our thumbs. We're, we're actively listening as we're waiting. We're learning God's voice. We're learning what God cares about. Waiting gives us the opportunity to just look around and see where God is working before we go Rather than saying, God, bless what we're doing, we say, God, what are you blessing? And let's, let's help with that. So waiting gives us an opportunity to, to do that. And I think that's really, that's powerful, knowing the will of God, knowing what God wants for us. Waiting is the way that we learn what that is. Okay, so people in here today are waiting. We're always waiting on something. And so managing that wait... Waiting is not totally passive. No, 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 no. So there's the second word. Well, the second word is work. And, you know, if we're, if, we're, if we're waiting on the Lord, if we're renewing our strength, we're renewing our strength for a purpose. We're renewing our strength because God has something for us to do. And that, and in the doing is where we, we recognize God's power in us and through us. You know, one of the things that we say here is that we don't really care that much about being the best church in our community, we want to be the best church for our community, and that implies that we have a reason and a purpose, a mission for being here. So, uh, you know, one of the ways that, that we think about that is what has God called us to be, first of all, what has God called us to be so that, so that he can use us to do what he wants to do? And we've, we've got, got our we've, we've got, got our five. five well, our, our mission is this: we, we want to be people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. So our purpose is to allow God to use us to change the world that we live in through our Christ-led influence. But we do that in a couple of different ways. You know, we think about here. Um, Living, living like God, God owns everything. And so everything that God has entrusted to us, we realize that it's, it's been entrusted to us so that we can use it for his purposes and allow it to be used for his purposes. Be generosity with our time and our resources and all that stuff. Um, we want to think like everyday missionaries. And for me, that's always how, you know, missionaries go into foreign cultures and one of the first things they do is they wait. And, and they, they learn, learn, you know, you know they, they learn, learn the context, context that they're working in. So as, as, as everyday missionaries, we want to be, we want to be actively looking around and understanding the culture that God has put us in. Thank you. Um, so we think like everyday missionaries. And then when the opportunity comes, we get to share our life-changing faith story, which is really the gospel, the message of Jesus, what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in us and through us and around us. That's, that's that as well. And then that's what we're tasked to do. That's what the story's about. The Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the last one, the fun fun. Well, the fun, yeah. So, so... Fun and refreshing, refreshing experiences. experiences. And, and I, every, every time, time I say that, that, I feel like I have to apologize for that being one of our values. values. But, but I think, think it's a very important value because 
anywhere Jesus stepped, he left that situation better. Last week we talked about Philip and the Ethiopian. And Philip, Philip left that Ethiopian better than when he found him. And oftentimes Christians go into situations and it's sad to say, we leave people more broken oftentimes yeah. than they were before we we encounter them. I've been to churches that are just draining. They just yeah. kind of suck the life out of you, and, and I appreciate so much. Actually, I read, uh, it's an apocryphal book, that uh, Jesus had a uh, day where he had a bounce house for the uh, Yeah, the yeah, that's, what, what book is that? Uh, I don't know. But that's, but that's sort of the idea, who we are to be. This is sort of the work. It's the mission work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We should enjoy. We should enjoy who we are in Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this brings us down to the final word, worship, and we won't talk as long about that, but, but just the idea of worship. How does that fit in with this whole plan? So waiting, waiting is worship. Waiting can be worship. Waiting as we're listening and we're learning who God is, as we're learning to hear his voice and recognize it when we hear it, this is the way that we bring glory to God. By, because that's a trans, waiting can be a transformative process. And any time that we're changed by God's presence, that is an act of worship that we're giving back to God, that transformation of our heart and mind. And then the work is worship too. You know, we're, we're working, we've, we've waited, we've, we're learning to trust God, and then we're learning to trust God in the work as well. You know, it's not, it's not our strength that we're doing every, everything in. We're doing it in the strength of the Lord, and we're experiencing His presence and His power in us as we serve around us and share with us. I think Romans 12, uh, 1 through 3 really captures all that. We're in view of God's mercy. So there's time to wait and, and look at that. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, which is work. And, and so... That idea of uh, worship and work and, and waiting while you're doing it, I just think it's a, a beautiful idea. Yeah. I love to hear the stories of life transformation. We've got several of them here, but in our community as well. I love sharing those stories because it's beautiful. I love traveling. I love seeing the grandeur of God in the Alps or the at the seashore, but what is, I mean, that's amazing. It's beautiful. It really does point to God's grandeur and awesomeness. But when you hear the stories of people who are coming out of just broken, destitute places, and you see new life coming into them, that is, I mean, that points to a grand and glorious God who takes, who out of nothing creates, out of chaos creates something unbelievably good. Okay. That's worship. Well, we're about finished. So, what, are we? What do you want to say? They're not done yet. They want more. They want more. They want more of Alan Burris. I don't know. I think one of the things that I'm going to do right now is I'm going to I'm going to head out and prepare. We got some baptisms at the end of the service this morning. So, before you go, so what is what does this mean for Sherwood Oaks Bedford? Well, what does it mean for Sherwood Oaks Bedford? It's a great question. It means that we want to be part of what God is doing, and we want to stay in, in pace with him. Because I believe he has something specific for our church to do that no other church can do. God has called us to do something that only we can do. And we're getting ready to launch a whole new vision. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a whole new vision, but a, a more defined vision yeah. that will help all of us be what we should be. The church... 
is the second incarnation when you think about it. The first incarnation is Jesus, but the church is the second incarnation because we we're told in Scripture we are the body of Christ. So we are the heart, the hands, the, the, the feet, everything that Jesus uh, was has been given to the church, and if we don't do it, then it doesn't get done. So we are God's partners, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, God's co-workers. So that's a great responsibility, and I appreciate uh, this body, this group, even those two different groups come together. Yeah, I like the DNA here. I like the group dynamics. But I think that uh, Sherwood Oaks is doing well, and uh, I appreciate it very much. So I would say we just need to continue to do a proper amount of waiting, Proper, proper amount of working that springs out of worship, which is an encounter with God, which leads to transformation. Because just as he went, he is coming again. He will come back. And I want us to be ready to receive him with no, with no embarrassment or shame. We, we did what you've called us to do, and we worked in absolute pace with your spirit. Okay. That's our goal. So you're going to get ready to yeah. baptize. Sean is going to come and... She's do the thing, and then I'll say something, something about yeah. communion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you do it? I can. What a plan. I don't need Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.